European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 12, Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. New Therapeutic Targets in Lipid Lowering, High Sugar Feeding in Infants, Lipoprotein A and Lipoprotein Lipase. This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention starts with the Viewpoint article entitled High Sugar Feeding and Increasing Cholesterol Levels in Infants authored by Jagat Narula from the Mount Sinai St. Luke's Mount Sinai West in New York, USA and colleagues. Nutrition during infancy is composed of breast milk, cow's milk and other formula substitutes or a combination thereof with a slow transition to solid food between 6 and 12 months of age. As the nutritional composition of formula is different from breast milk, preference for one type over another could potentially influence carbohydrate metabolism and cholesterol homeostasis. The authors note that hyperlipidemia is the most important risk factor for cardiovascular disease, or CVD, and prevention rather than treatment is the preferred strategy to alleviate the burden of disease. Both total and LDL cholesterol levels are threefold higher at the end of the first year of life and about fourfold higher in adulthood compared to neonatal life. In the US, only 25% of infants are exclusively breastfed and preferential consumption of simple carbohydrate-rich formula may contribute to dysregulation of carbohydrate and lipid metabolism, potentially explaining the steep rise in cholesterol levels during infancy. Spikes in fasting glucose and insulin have been reported in formula-fed infants and are associated with higher levels of PCSK9 or proprotein convertase subtilism kexin type 9, raising the prospect of this being a potential link between high simple sugar intake and consequent increases in LDL cholesterol in early childhood. Due to the health benefits of plant-based diets, as well as concerns over animal protein, animal welfare and apprehension over antibiotic use, and the environmental protection, some of the most popular diets are vegetarian and vegan. Vegetarian diets have been associated with lower CVD and cancer risk in comparison to all non-vegetarian diets due to their higher content of fibre, vitamins and minerals, and lower content of saturated fat. However, the relative merits of vegetarianism compared with other alternative diets have been less well studied. In a clinical research article entitled Vegetarians, Fish, Poultry and Meat Eaters Who Has the Higher Risk of Cardiovascular Disease Incident and Mortality? A prospective study from UK Biobank. Fanny Peterman Rocha from the University of Glasgow in the United Kingdom and colleagues sought to compare the incidence and mortality risk for cardiovascular diseases, or CVD, ischemic heart disease, or IHD, myocardial infarction, or MI, stroke, and heart failure, or HF, among people with different types of diets using data from the UK Biobank. About 423,000 participants, 55.4% women, were included in this prospective analysis. Using data from a food frequency questionnaire, four types of diets were derived, including vegetarians, fish eaters, fish and poultry eaters, and meat eaters. 
Meat-eaters comprised 94.7% of the cohort and were more likely to be obese than other diet groups. After a median follow-up of 8.5 years, fish-eaters compared with meat-eaters had lower risks of incidence CVD, hazard ratio 0.93, IHD, hazard ratio 0.79, MI, hazard ratio 0.70, stroke, hazard ratio 0.79, and HF, hazard ratio 0.78, after adjusting for confounders. Vegetarians had lower risk of CVD incidence, hazard ratio 0.91, relative to meat-eaters. In contrast, the risk of adverse outcomes was not different in fish and poultry-eaters compared with meat-eaters. No associations were identified between types of diet and CVD mortality. The authors conclude that eating fish rather than meat or poultry is associated with a lower risk of a range of adverse cardiovascular outcomes. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Ramon Estruc from the Hospital Clinical in Barcelona, Spain and colleagues. The authors conclude that diets should be chosen according to their effects on human health and also the environment, planetary health. Mediterranean, flexitarian, that being occasional red meat eaters, and pesco-vegetarian diets, all rich in seafood, seem to accomplish these two premises and are all beneficial for health. While more high-quality nutritional studies evaluating both aspects, health and environmental effects are clearly warranted, in the meantime, we can choose any of these three diet patterns with seafood no less than three times per week to further our cardiovascular and general health. With the current focus on lipoprotein A as a likely causal risk factor for cardiovascular disease and new drugs potentially on the market to lower lipoprotein A levels, the safety of lowering lipoprotein A to low levels becomes increasingly important. In a clinical research article, low lipoprotein A levels and risk of disease in a large contemporary general population study. Pierre Kamstrup from the Herlev and Gentofte Hospital in Copenhagen, Denmark and colleagues tested whether low levels of lipoprotein A and corresponding LPA genotypes associate with major disease groups including cancers and infectious disease. The authors included about 109,000 individuals from the Copenhagen general population study and found that the only concordant association of low levels of lipoprotein A plasma levels and corresponding LPA genotypes with risk of disease was with low risk of CVD, while no association of low levels of lipoprotein A plasma levels and corresponding LPA genotypes was found with risk of any cancer or infectious disease. Kamstrup et al. conclude that in a large contemporary general population cohort, apart from the well-established association with cardiovascular disease, Low levels of lipoprotein A and corresponding LPA genotypes did not concordantly associate with any major disease groups, including cancers and infections. Thus, no safety signal emerges from this study to indicate that low levels of lipoprotein A are harmful. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Samia Mora and Zarin Farouki from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. The authors note that overall, the innovative study by Langsted et al. provides a well-designed epidemiologic and genetic backdrop for the anticipated randomized clinical trial results that are eagerly awaited in the near future.
Angiopoietin-like protein 3, or ANGPTL3, and 4, or ANGPTL4, inhibit lipoprotein lipase, or LPL, and represent emerging drug targets to lowering circulating triglycerides and reduce cardiovascular risk. In a clinical research article entitled Metabolic Profiling of Angiopoietin-like Protein 3 and 4 Inhibition, a Drug Target Mendelian Randomization Analysis, Chin Wang from the Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute in Melbourne, Australia and colleagues investigated the molecular effects of the genetic mimicry of ANGPTL3 and ANGPTL4 inhibition and compared them to the effects of genetic mimicry of LPL enhancement. Associations of genetic variants of ANGPTL3 RS11207977-T ANGPTL4, RS11684064 A, and LPL, RS11584908 A, with an extensive serum lipid and metabolite profile, were characterized in six cohorts of about 61,000 participants. All three genotypes displayed a strikingly similar pattern of associations across the lipoprotein and lipid measures. Genetic mimicry of ANGPTL4 inhibition and LPL enhancement were associated with a lower waist-to-hip ratio, improved insulin glucose metabolism, and lower risk of coronary heart disease and type 2 diabetes, whilst genetic mimicry of ANGPTL3 was associated with an improved kidney function. The authors conclude that genetic mimicry of ANGPTL4 inhibition and LPL enhancement have very similar systemic metabolic effects, whereas genetic mimicry of ANGPTL3 inhibition showed differing metabolic effects, suggesting potential involvement of pathways independent of LPL. These findings reinforce evidence that enhancing LPL activity, either directly or via upstream effects, through pharmacological approaches is likely to yield benefits to human health. There is inconsistent evidence on the relation of alcohol intake with incident atrial fibrillation, or AF, in particular at lower doses. In a clinical research article entitled Alcohol Consumption, Cardiac Biomarkers and Risk of Atrial Fibrillation and Adverse Outcomes, Dora Sengeri and colleagues from the University Heart and Vascular Center in Hamburg, Germany, assessed the association between alcohol consumption, biomarkers, and incident AF across the spectrum of alcohol intake in European cohorts. In a community-based pooled cohort, they followed about 108,000 individuals, median age 47.8 years, 48% men, for the association between alcohol consumption, including types of alcohol and drinking patterns, and incident AF. A total of about 6,000 individuals developed AF. In a sex and cohort-stratified Cox regression analysis, alcohol consumption was non-linearly and positively associated with incident AF. The hazard ratio for one drink of 12 grams per day was 1.16, P being less than 0.001. Associations were similar across types of alcohol. In contrast, alcohol consumption at lower doses was associated with reduced risk of incident heart failure. Sengeri and colleagues conclude 
then in contrast to other cardiovascular diseases such as heart failure, even modest habitual alcohol intake of 1.2 drinks per day was associated with an increased risk of AF, which needs to be considered in AF prevention. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by David Conan from the McMaster's University in Hamilton, Canada. The authors conclude that the net clinical benefit of consuming low amounts of alcohol requires further study, ideally in adequately powered randomised trials. Until then, each individual has to make their own best educated decision as to whether consuming up to one alcoholic drink per day is worthwhile and safe. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In an article entitled Beta Blocker and Survival and Pulmonary Function in Patients with Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary and Cardiovascular Disease, Huai Tang from the Guangzhou Medical University in China and colleagues comment on the recent publication entitled Association of Beta Blocker Use with Survival and Pulmonary Function in patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary and cardiovascular disease. A systematic review and meta-analysis by Yan Li Yang from the Peking Union Medical College Hospital, China, and colleagues. Yan Li Yang and colleagues respond in a separate contribution. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.